0: everyone hi interving Ooh, hi hi stephanie <laughs> uh interving we have someone a, a friend of the podcast we have gabriel joining us today so hi gabriel
1: hey everyone i'm excited to be here this is cool glad
0: yeah. to have you yeah we have in a little growing group of, of friends uh, of other intervings who have come to actually chat with us on episodes so we're uh, really excited uh we had a nice little chat just now um to kind of catch up i mean all of us it's been a little bit of time since we've last chatted with each other so uh that was fun um we're kind of now t- uh, i guess on the downslope of the year of 2023 we're kind of in like mid mid november here in the states it's uh, at least in the states it's kind of a busy time because we have thanksgiving so whether or not you celebrate Halloween. it Halloween, Halloween first and then Thanksgiving when that you celebrate Thanksgiving you a lot of time people take off of work and school their school is off so it is like a, kind of definitely a unique day um, and a lot of my friends have celebrated the Hindu festival of Diwali recently too and we're getting hunting into hunting season just opened so that's uh, <laughs> if, basically a national holiday if religion in yeah if your religion is hunting season. i heard kids get off from school for this this is remarkable to me oh, really I not growing up in a hunting culture but yeah yeah is that de- it's deer deer but it's also you know turkey time turkey so down, for uh, sure you know, quite a few things um so that's no recording but we i think we're probably gonna be releasing this so hopefully you'll be you're hearing our voices from this episode either kind of the very end of 2023 or maybe we'll be in the beginning of 2024 which is i guess i'm getting more comfortable with that idea yeah i just Um, gotta make sure i check the date and make sure i don't write 2022 yeah that has happened before exactly so yeah so stephanie i hope you've been doing well gabriel thanks for coming on it no um so what have y'all been up to lately gabriel what's been going on in your world
1: yeah so i guess in my world i've been trying to get good at a first person shooter um Hmm. called counter-strike and it's the hardest game in the world but um i have a coach and i'm hoping that i improve
0: okay I got several follow-up questions. I've heard of Counter Strike. It's been around for a while. Yes, it's a pretty oh yeah, top of the game.
1: Yeah, it's it's a pretty old game. Yeah, um, and it's had many iterations.
0: Yes. So when you say coach, is this like where did you find this person? Like it's not like a, like I'm thinking about when you go to a like a fitness gym and you go to the front counter and you ask for a personal trainer and then you set up sessions with them. Like how did you find <laughs> this coach? Is it a eight year old? Who's also just amazing at Counter Strike. Like, who is this person? If you can <laughs> Yeah, I just that. get a
1: little Zoomer and just say, hey, show me how you aim. No, I <laughs> I um uh yeah, so I just went online because uh we have this thing called the internet, and I just was able to find mm-hmm. um a website called Metify, and you can um hire people that you think um look cool. And they help you with your game. My coach is from the United Kingdom. He's great.
0: So, okay. That's really cool. Did you, I feel like this is a good conversation. Stephanie, I've kind of talked about this in previous episodes of having the mindset. I know for me, I like to be, had the mindset of being always a beginner and a student of life and always enjoying trying new things. So I don't know what your approach is, Gabriel, but for me, it's like, I, I, I kind of like just showing up. By myself I and mean, I'll do a little bit of research on the thing on the activity and usually these are like physical activities like swing dancing or something and I'll do a little bit of research I have a little dance background already so I will just show up by myself and kind of go with the lesson and go with it Um maybe I will falter or maybe I'll do well Um did you try and play the game totally by yourself just cold and give it a go or before you even started to play did you connect with this coach to be like hey can we have a quick lesson before i even start my first session um yeah to that's game. a great
1: question i actually started kind of by myself just playing here and there i actually enjoy watching it more than i enjoy playing it oh. even though that's kind of weird to it's say
0: like gameplay stuff okay
1: yeah i just enjoy watching people play the hardest game in the world to a really high degree and seeing what they're able to do they they act like machines but they're not really and they can make mistakes and it just makes it exciting um however when I decided I really wanted to get better um I had learned from learning a lot of different hobbies learning a lot of uh, new things like dancing and things of that nature that it makes it a lot easier if you have a teacher if you have a coach, mm-hmm. if you have someone that trains you on the basics, it makes the rest of your learning a lot better because you don't learn a lot of bad habits that are later harder to correct when they're ingrained.
0: For sure. I had a, I have an idea or a thought idea. What are our thoughts? Okay, so, so this is what Gabriel's doing, right? And he's got a coach and the coach is trained and in you know, could be an expert in counter-strike. Have any of you ever, and I've not done it, but I'm curious now, has anyone done, gotten a coach for, so let's say for counter-strike, but the coach is actually an expert in something else, but you felt <laughs> that they could, had translatable enough skills of just coaching skills to help you master that activity. So like maybe in Gabriel's case, an example trying to learn how to play the game counter-strike but his coach is an expert like pasta chef or something. Yeah. Would you that know, work? What would, and if it did, what configuration would it work in? Like would, would the other activity have to be related in some way to yours or I don't know. I'm just.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's a great question. And um, it actually deals with the topic of pedagogy directly. So this yes. is what pedagogy actually is, which is the ability to teach people subjects, even if like, you yourself are not um, an expert in a particular field. You're able to explain concepts and help people grasp concepts better than, let's say an expert in that field would be because their skill isn't to explain concepts to people. Their skill is to use the concepts they're familiar with to then create new things. And so experts don't normally always make the best teachers Mm -hmm. and, um, that's something that I think um, a lot of people have misconceptions about. You can think of like uh, any college course that you might've taken with an expert in their field. It was extremely boring that you like, yes, everything was technically correct, but was it easy for you to grasp those concepts as they were teaching them? The answer is probably going to be no. You think about like the, the, the professors who, who really passionate about not just their subject, but also getting you to be passionate about their subject. That's where you learn the most.
0: They know how to engage and like bring in the audience's level and bring it to an under, bring complex perhaps concepts and, and bring it to the audience's level of understanding in a way that they can grapple with that.
1: Like even, let me give you a famous example. So there's like, in the school of pedagogy, there's two main people. It's, uh, uh what is it, Vygotsky and Buzhou, or I can't remember his name. But anyways, a French guy and a Russian guy. And their approaches to even pedagogy or teaching, the art of teaching, it, are, are different. The Russian guy, because of his history, relies on this concept of using... Uh, social interactions to learn more effectively. So he wants people to use the community around them and to get their community engaged so they can learn better. Mm. So you would have, for example, project-based learning. So that's kind of what project-based learning is, that you're working together with another team and eventually you actually end up learning more because um, you can specialize in your own little thing, but you still have to put some kind of project together. And in that, putting that project together, you actually synthesize all the information that you've taken in. Um,
0: Well, it also kind of ties to like memory type. Like I know for myself, my episodic memory is like my strongest memory type. If it's like, I can remember a holistic story with all the details and stuff of that situation versus just drilling like the same specific thing, like the semantics of something. Um, So yeah, I, I definitely work better in that like, project kind yes, of yes yeah.
1: making a story out of something mm-hmm. is usually the best way to learn that's that's actually what keeps humans entertained in general um uh I, I i know you guys like philosophy and so there's this guy that i really like called arthur schopenhauer and he talks about every consciousness being its own essentially reality uh, because it, their perception to no two people's perceptions going to be identical. So they have different life experiences and things that you're born with will shape that reality. And so that's why it's so hard for some people to understand each other and communicate. Um,
0: I, I like it, Schopenhauer because the way one example, he extended that um, kind of approach was like, when you're raising your children, like in a family is really to like allow saying that that exists even for children that they have their own consciousness and as a parent you try to create a world for them where like they are informed and have structure but at the same time have options to kind of choose their different paths of like beliefs like specifically when it comes to like religion for instance so and how that like gets really complicated and intricate when it comes to like parenting Um, yeah and
1: what and um uh Another interesting point to make is that um, when trying to explain that concept to people, they normally, I, I think they probably would say, oh, I understand or I agree, but um, but I don't think they actually really know what it means for a child to have a, its own consciousness. Um, it'd be like, I, I I explain the concept of consciousness to to a person in this way so they can understand. Um, pretend that your body is your Android body, right? That um, you were gonna get before uh, you got your mind, and your consciousness is the USB stick that people will upload into that Android body to give it a personality and and uh, give it its wants and desires. And so, if every individual consciousness um, is its own separate. Um. uh, It's its own, I guess, separate identity. Yeah, unique. It's different than.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's separate from the body's experience. Also, so the body is one thing, and then the consciousness is another. So, like a consciousness can use your brain to give it happy chemicals if that's what it needs.
0: It's a good thought. Sorry, like it is. Isn't that wild? I'm I'm like sitting in silence, not because, um, I, like good thought is is not profound enough. But I'm like reveling and enjoying yeah. the thought process, and like, uh, yeah.
1: And so Schopenhauer it's... says that like, um, that this consciousness uses your, um, faculties for its own ends. So uh, the main thing it wants. It's to survive. So this consciousness will use whatever tools it can to make sure it stays alive.
0: There is a real, there's always this really cool ongoing discussion between the medical community and philosophy community in terms of like the neuroethics, especially um, around consciousness and, and things.
1: So then in understanding your own consciousness and understanding that, um, and that it's like a, a thing in and of itself, you can, Start to address the things that you do to soothe that consciousness. So philosophically, well, not just speaking,
0: soothe, but converse, and interact with, and, yeah, and connect to, and under try to understand, yeah,
1: yeah. And then you'll understand why, for example, your you know, if you have anxiety, your adrenaline will shoot up because your consciousness is, for whatever reason, threatened. And you don't or might not even understand why initially. So, um, for example, you might be threatened by a person because they might represent something that to your consciousness that um, is a danger to you.
0: Right, when things are imprinted on what's considered your subconscious. Also, in terms, I realize this is very uh, a very uh, English bound discussion. So, hopefully, uh, I don't know if there's similar concepts in in your culture, but but yeah your your subconscious version, like a deeper layer where things might be imprinted on it's like to explain why you might react to someone a certain way without really exactly. understanding why at, at first glance
1: yeah and i think it's it's pivotal be, to understand because schopenhauer then talks about projection so or or the He wrote this book called The World as Will and Representation. The will is that consciousness, right? That human drive survives. So he just described it as the will. And uh, representation would be how this consciousness is able to perceive the world around it. And um, it does it through its five senses. So touch, smell, listening, being able to see. Um, And those things are different for everyone. Um, So, in in any case, Schopenhauer explains that um, a consciousness will um, act based on this stimuli. And um, this idea of projection is, for example, when you have an association, or your consciousness even has an association with a certain thing, and you then projected onto another human, maybe even without their knowledge. So you'll be waiting in a, in a fuel station and you'll see someone without a shirt and you'll go, Oh, that person must be X, Y, or Z. And it's just based on your previous experience with, um, seeing things that way.
0: Uh, So are you saying like, if, if they have a shirt on and to you, given your background and everything you're like oh that person must be cold because i would be cold in this scenario is that what you mean
1: yes or or yeah and so you assume a lot of like needs or desires of other people through just what you're projecting on them and you act and you treat them accordingly this happens a lot in human relationships also when people let's say in relationships project this idea of like their mom or their dad onto their partner, um, whichever way that might be, um, and and um, and they might act or react in a way that's consistent to that behavior that they've experienced with a, that symbol in the past. So um, they'll be childish if they want to be childish or, or whatever. That it, it, then they're they're comfortable in just being able to project um all those things onto them. And it's not necessarily fair because sometimes that other person has no history of whatever you're projecting onto them.
0: They use a familiar notions because they yeah of the familiarity. I, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, a lot of times yeah people will find themselves not like, realizing it um in their relationships that are yeah tend to be more familiar than they think. Uh, yeah. Have you guys yeah. this is a weird weird tangent, but have you guys seen people who like, you knew someone, maybe, like, your best friend in elementary school, and then you see someone who looks exceptionally similar to them, like, in college or in work, like, down the road. You know it's not them. They have a different name, totally different, like, location. But because of that, like, familiarity thing, you, when you walk up to them you kind of like ex- expect that same level of interaction that, or like you know, the friendship or whatever will yeah. like go to that level of interaction but you know they may have a totally different personality and there's such cognitive dissonance
1: yes because
0: i've had that, that. <laughs> it was so funny and weird uh i loved it i was um in a ballet class this is yeah. uh several years ago I mean, but i was like i was an adult in an adult ballet class um it was in a pretty large studio and i don't know it was like 30 Five students or so, and uh, I didn't know anyone. I just went by myself, and um we were doing stuff at the bar. And I just noticed—I mean, like you know, people are looking at each other like strangers. It's fine. This one student, this one girl, like, she looked at me weird, like like very intently. And she like it was not like she waved at me, but she kind of like did a little like funny face, like a smile, and I was like. I didn't know it was that me because across the room. But throughout the whole class, like she just kept looking at me and doing things that felt too familiar, like too comfortable. And then you could see I don't even know you. You could see her like wincing at herself of like stop it. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and then at the end she goes, I'm sorry, you look just like my friend growing up, like from primary school through high school. And like same hair color, same everything. And it was also my expressions. It wasn't just like, if you took a photo of me, she said it was my expressions I did with my face. And um, she goes, I'm sorry. It was awkward because I kept like feeling like, oh my gosh, that's my friend. And she did show me a picture of her friend and wow. Yeah, it was wild. And we sounded the same. She said, like our voice sounded similar and her friend lived in Canada and all about the same age. And I think it was extra special for her because she, this friend did dance with her. So it was not just like seeing a stranger who resembled this friend, but seeing that person in the same setting that you'd usually see that friend in. Yes. And I was like, that's so cool. We had a nice chat. And she was like, do you want... like and We took a picture. She's like, can I take a photo with you? And I said, sure. <laughs> we, took, we took like three photos together. And... She's like, if you want, we can like exchange phone numbers. And I decided not to. I kind of liked this free. The one off. The one off.
1: Are you sure she wasn't hitting on you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure but she seemed completely overwhelmed with like, this is such a weird. F-. Yeah, there was she was That's just so cool. in shock. And um, I I hope that person is doing well, representing our face and and sense <laughs> of being well and that they're successful and all the best and um i don't know if i'll ever run into them but yeah it's yeah. good to know that you have doppelgangers out there but like yeah. really though i mean freck i mean I have, have I, I have freckles yeah I, they had fre- i mean it was like the eyelash look i wonder and- what they're up to like have you ever just you know like this comes uh into my thought i don't know if it's like an intrusive thought just like when i think sit there I like you know people watching and i'm like i wonder what this person's doing in their life or like i wonder how it's going are they happy are they sad you know they're pretty neutral when they walk by but like everyone's got oh, thoughts going on in their heads yes and like and- what are our doppelgangers doing what are
1: they <laughs> what yeah are they i wonder what they're doing um i've always wondered what it what my consciousness would have been like in different circumstances if it if if i had a different life like what I could be. How um, long
0: ago, Gabriel? Did you first start to read Schopenhauer or come across his writing? I'm just curious. Like,
1: probably 2017. I'd okay. place like 2017. Okay. so
0: it's been it's been like like yeah, so it's been a couple years, six, six years. Yeah. Um, one thing I think, what not even limited to philosophy, but any kind of writing like that, I kind of like to map out. Uh, like the journey with it like maybe mm-hmm. i don't know how it was presented to you like did you seek it out yourself or did like somebody you know like say or give it to you or was it, like an assigned reading in school like what how was it presented to you initially and then like what well, if you could like map out your experience with like maybe did you first read it and like i don't oh that's don't, that's a good question and then I, when did you internalize it yeah, yeah and like did you and then, then like what that's, was the gap between good... the first exposure where you're like maybe maybe you did take it, maybe it got you right away or maybe you're like I don't get this. This is stupid philosophy. I don't resonate with this at all. Was it like, I don't know, two years later on that you again, like saw it on a bus stop? Yeah, I
1: I would say that I first learned about it probably in 2012. Because um, if you read any philosophy at all, um, you are familiar with different ideas, even if you don't necessarily, if you're not well versed in them. For example, existentialism. So ex- Arthur Schopenhauer is to be the godfather of existentialism and um you might hear that word and you go oh, okay yeah existentialism i think i understand right the human experience you you think you understand but um and so maybe i i um you know watched a couple youtube videos about him or what have you and it it didn't resonate with me at the time later on when i revisited uh did philosophy you, did you
0: look at like other existentialists like Albert Camus or Jean Paul Sartre or yes
1: this... yes but it didn't click none of it clicked it... okay not even none of it clicked click. okay I didn't really understand how and this that is, and this is 20 this is
0: 2012 yeah okay
1: this is 2012 but um, in any case later on I uh, became familiar with um, shrooms. And so if you ever done magic mushrooms like,
0: like mush mushrooms when you say shrooms
1: yeah, yeah, mushrooms. And um um I think I understood the separation between my ego um and I guess what that is. Um and so then that started get me thinking again about the existentialists and since i've understood that separation at least from in my mind um i then their words started resonating with me um
0: is this per- is 2017
1: yeah and in particular there's this great youtube video great youtube essay about this uh anime called neon genesis evangelion And it's weird, but they're tied together. I promise (laughs) this it's the greatest example of how anime can be used to really explore complex concepts that maybe you wouldn't be able to as easily, let's say, in a movie or TV, uh, real life format. format. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, in Neon Genesis, this is kid robot suits. They fight. However, towards the end, the last two episodes seem kind of jumbled they don't really care so much about the robots fighting anymore they start talking about feelings and what it means to be a human and um the the last episode in particular is wonderful in terms of the artwork but for a for a regular person that's not super into artwork and and symbolism and what have you it just looks like a jumbled mess and so once, and that was the ending to the show. Um, and people didn't understand it, and people wrote hate mail. And um,
0: was it a different like director of those episodes or writer? Like did, sometimes it no, happens. No, it
1: was all the same director and all, it was all the planned. same team. Okay. Yeah, and it was all planned.
0: Was it based and, off of any like manga or like? Uh, yeah, I
1: yeah I, I don't. I, it's it's Neon Genesis Evangelion. I guess it's the manga. Um, okay so i didn't know if if, there was no
0: original source they'd like come up with something for the ending but or quickly adapt if they hadn't written the ending yet yeah the last
1: episode was uh, they had financial troubles because they were they had they ran out of budget and so the last episode they still needed to convey that message they wanted to to show to make the show make
0: sense
1: Yes, yeah. That's some of the, the freeze, it frame freeze frame instead of the frame animation. Like really
0: basic budget, but like some real- of
1: it was that. Yeah, and it would morph into. So <laughs> start with like two popsicles or whatever, but then it would morph into something off- abstract, and from that it would create mm. other abstractions, and and so and and all while having like kind of like this monologue in the background of this this guy having an existential crisis
0: oh like the scene it, in blade runner
1: yeah kind of like the scene in blade it's runner
0: another great monologue <laughs>
1: yeah it's super great uh, yeah you just essential. listen the last 10 minutes and you're like wow that was beautiful yeah um and so when this debuted people threw a big fuss about it and they threatened to murder the guy and what have you um later i found this youtube video this guy had made that said episode 25 and 26 of Neon Genesis Evangelion is actually good. And I watched it. It's an hour long and it talks about the problems of um, having an existential crisis in, um, I guess for any person, once they do have an existential crisis.
0: So you're saying it breaks down, it it breaks down. Like, so Despite the bad art or whatever, you know, financial issues that they had to deal with, it's actually quite articulate in, in what um, it's trying to convey. But yes. to casual viewers who are just doing it for the plot or the story, not necessarily for the character development or investment or whatever, they they just kind of casually dismiss it and they don't try and look deeper at what the root cause or um, exactly evolution of this individual i kind of yeah. like the idea I and mean, i understand like yeah, unfortunately i guess they had like budget issues but i feel like that i mean I, I guess it ended up being more negative but it gives the by having a different budget by having a different artistic style those last two episodes it kind of breaks things for the viewer for the audience to be like wait something's different it kind of snaps you out of a little the, jarring a little perhaps. jarring routine and i think by snapping you out of it like like the like the kick and exception or something it makes your mind Think and more and be more open and look for changes and look for new ideas. And so maybe it kind of worked out because it was the kick for the audience. And by presenting that different kind of material and a different kind of message in those two episodes, I wonder if it really, like, you know, just penetrated in a different way. Um, Yes. That's exactly what happened. But I guess it was like a little bit more negative, taken more negatively. But I feel like if it was done the same artistic style, people may not really have noticed how different it was like it was kind of a a simulated um the the kick the kick and the kick yeah it's like a simulated neurotic break and when you have a neurotic break like everything is very plastic and moldable and can get you thinking about new things so exactly so maybe that yes but but maybe the majority or the the, kind of the, the bandwagon fan base like took it negatively or they didn't care for well, it, yeah but...
1: people just want to see who see him win the last fight against some robot but the yeah. last two episodes didn't even have to do with robots it had to do with um the individual
0: so i'd be curious how... how it's aged Yeah, i feel like i would i would wager that now that the the this dust has settled and the and the, the, the initial shock to, the shock yeah people will be the renaissance renaissance. in a more calm way and be like oh i really appreciate this like star wars the prequels my god they got dragged so bad and then if you just go back and watch it it's fine like i think i got introduced to the star wars like i think uh one two three had come out right we're talking uh like episode one episode one two yeah Yeah. revenge Mm -hmm. of the sith and i so i hadn't had prior exposure to four five six um the the ogs right um beforehand so i decided to read the books and then watch the movie and you like immerse myself in like whatever george lucas had intended it that's why you know one two three four five six i guess mm-hmm. um and so i found no issues with the story you know because i was like okay mm-hmm. i see little anakin and then he becomes you know a uh, spoiler alert <laughs> <Darth Vader>. uh <laughs> oh, and then no, you know really? like we follow oh, like the, the Twitter. gabriel, gabriel has then, to leave the call you now. know like darth vader Sargent goes bye-bye um and then you know like uh numbers uh is it seven eight nine yeah they came out and then all of a sudden that was the atrocious one to hate um and of course you know as each one came out there was just progressively more and more vitriolic hate for each movie um and and like now one two and three are embraced as like works of art masterpieces you know like before they were just ridiculed for the memes but now it's like oh they set this up actually pretty well but it's, yeah. it's like the shock of the times of what they wanted. And now you've accepted it as like canon. Okay. And so now what? Right? And I, I think
1: I, that happens with art a lot because Yeah, because a lot of artists, unfortunately are born ahead of their time. And so they're already trying to address maybe some of the social issues or maybe the problems with being a human, um, in and the work is reviled.
0: yeah. And yeah. it's like it's it's such a jarring notion. But then once I guess the their concept gets out, and you know, like it's it's sat for fifteen years or whatever, stagnant. And someone's like, "Well, actually, it is relevant now more than ever." And then they put a certain lens, and then now it becomes back to you know. I really like, like this culture. point. I really like this by making this um kind of practice. So bringing it back as we're kind of being planning to release this episode to be around the end of 2023, beginning of 2024. Uh, I know for myself, I think I might adopt this practice of reflecting on this past year, which is kind of a pretty small time scale when it comes to judging art, but thinking about for myself, what are things that maybe at the time that I did at the time this year that I was not excited about, especially if they were somewhat artistic but looking back now at the end of the year um i feel differently towards it, maybe more positive because of yeah dust the dust has settled if that makes sense yeah um, i know i can give an example you um, already have one okay yeah yeah. yeah yeah you know the balloon dog yes <laughs> so before I was like what I don't get this balloon dog like I read it but I don't get it and then uh-huh. I went to the Chicago Museum of uh, Contemporary Art looking forward to this balloon dog when, when when did you go to the museum when um this spring I want to say the spring okay yeah um a friend was was in Chicago I decided to go visit um and then we were trying to like figure our itinerary we settled on art because neither of us understand contemporary art and we decided to you know like we'll read the plaque and like have somebody or something you know we'll, we'll try and understand it we didn't understand it we spent more time in the gift shop um despite sorry, sorry, which, museum, very... which museum was it sorry chicago museum of contemporary art okay i kind of was hoping it was the balloon dog museum but okay this is the balloon dog museum wait no but like the museum is only balloon dog oh no tragically for. so so this it's in a giant dog balloon dog structure this balloon dog like like premiered... like the wicker, the wicker man so maybe. the <laughs> the the artist is jeff Koons, and he premiered debuted um the the balloon dog um in the chicago museum of contemporary art um and is it the moment i don't know that the names of these things but you can look it up um and you know at the time everyone's like oh wow this is amazing beautiful and i'm like i don't get this like it's just a like i can't anyone can make it was the original material always that like glossy ceramic glass material or yes so here's the thing it it's super expensive like the it's and it's not just expensive because like art has no value you can you know, it's the material like it's some kind of like incredibly expensive metal so like in order to just even break even (laughs) with the original material cost it's you know already a, a steep price and then you know like and you know he makes it in all kinds of shapes and sizes and colors i think blue is like the traditional one and the, the yeah. pink and like orange and you know i think the the bunny version of it shows up in like iron man 2 um but i always like it too because it's always it's resting on a flat surface yeah it's not floating like a balloon. yeah so i feel like maybe it's sitting if i were different i always thought it was cool in that artistic way of like uh-huh. it's Balloon, dog, but it's not acting like you'd expect a balloon to act because it's resting. Yeah, and you the intention wait. was like it's surprising that it's not bouncy; it's you know solid. Rigid. It's well, rigid. actually hollow. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Rigid, so yeah. it's it's such you know uh, uh, opposites of what you think. You know, it's very whimsical, but actually, it's very intentionally made and all that. You know, um. I so this for is you reading the, reading the plaques, or was there actually like a curator there who no talked to? Talk to you? So I read this on Wikipedia afterwards. I just vaguely knew that. All I did when I showed up in Chicago was the balloon dog is from here, so I was expecting to see the balloon dog. We looked all over. Now, granted, the architecture is amazing, the the exhibits well curated. Um, I I just did not fully grasp the artist's intent. Did you find um, the balloon dog in the museum? No, that's the thing, and I, the lack of it, I was like, oh gosh, slightly seething. Was it supposed to be at that museum? It's a traveling exhibit and it might be like retired so when we spent time in the gift shop because we're like oh this is like cool familiar and it like explains some of the stuff you know in those like interesting books i think i got you michelle the um is it frank lloyd Wright? yes um cut out kirigami book where you can make different um like structures anyways it's a cool gift shop too and they had balloon dogs but granted the super expensive like hyper inflated things Mm -hmm. um (laughs) <laughs> more sense than one um they they had like lamps they had uh you know like all all kinds of like little kitschy things yeah. uh that you can make out of you know such famous items that people want to have as a souvenir and i was like i'm not gonna buy into the super expensive thing it, despite you know i saw a balloon dog that was like a reasonable size like an actual you know maybe eight inch tall 10 inch wide balloon dog or so okay this was so expensive it was like sixty dollars and I don't want to pay sixty dollars <laughs> for something that size yes. you know just to sit on my desk so I bought the cheapest one to like sort of my own version of spite in the face and I got this wee little balloon dog that was I think like made of rubber um and it's it was only four dollars it's maybe like an inch. Two inches long at the is it most. like an eraser <laughs> or no? no it's not an eraser the best part is it's jiggly so it kind of does behave a little balloon like oh. um and so whenever i feel stressed at work i just kind of poke at it and it just kind of does <laughs> it's like little flubber jiggle and it, it brings me endless joy um but you know i guess art so now ultimately... you like it. now you like it but in in this now it brings me pleasure ta- to see it because to it's yeah it's it's i find it quite affectionate when i have now assigned my own meaning to it not society's like a uh, hoity-toity interpretation of like oh i don't know i that's feel like that's kind of what so art can be fancy. about really yeah, yeah like you make yeah. it your own you make your own um How you have own experience meaning to it, it? you so. know
1: that's why some artists don't ever explain the yeah the lyrics to their songs so one famous example stairway to heaven
0: yes you know
1: Get, let, let, Zefant, yeah. let it be whatever that person listening needs it to be for them yes. at that time. I
0: totally agree. Yeah. Well, we also have some music to share as well for this episode, actually. Cool. Um, where I feel we can kind of continue this thought. So some uh Gabriel has a few songs to start out with. I do.
1: Um the song uh, list I provided is um something i wanted to show something different but nevertheless um kind of together Um uh, my first song is called when you grow up your heart dies by gunship it's an 80s style uh retro wave uh sound
0: the great so it sounds title. like
1: it's from the 80s yeah great title on <laughs> i own... love
0: i love the synth like synth wave that uh vibes that it's got huh
1: yeah and so um the, the song type is from the 80s right from a sound from the 80s but it's a modern song and um, the, the name of it also kind of represents the fact that um, maybe those people in the 80s you know their time is passed or what have you and it's it is reminding them not to let their their young heart die right mm. I found this song through YouTube there's a cool uh, youtube channel that does retro wave cinema it's called Retrowave cinema and they do cuts of 80s movies with cool music in the background and it basically gives you the plot of the entire movie just with the images it doesn't oh, do any nice. of the sound yeah uh, the next song is cuando tenga la tierra oh well
0: sorry real quick what sorry. M- movie was it played over
1: um, I think it was played over the breakfast bunch. Oh, not the, breakfast, the club? breakfast club. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. Wow, yeah. So, uh, we will we will link that interview. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a wonderful. It's a it, honestly, I it had gets you seen me that film before?
0: Fame. Had you seen that film before? Seen that video? I,
1: I had seen that film before. Okay, seen okay. The video. that's why I know it's it accurately uh portrays that um that whole film. Mm. Yeah, it's will, great. You guys yeah, really need to watch it's a good that match. episode. I'll link right
0: that. There. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Yeah. My next song is Cuando tenga la tierra by uh Mercedes Sosa. Uh this is a this is a song that's actually communist. Um it, a lot of people, I guess in America at least don't understand the the rich history in Latin America and um uh, its conception of government. what it it means to be a democracy in Chile um, there was a movement um, for more um, communist um, I guess governance and the song literally translates to when I have the earth and so you're talking about the in in communism there's this concept of the non land havers versus Uh the land owners and it's it's, um, yeah, it's a wonderful song. The
0: next um, one. So I'll just interject interviewing. So we've actually covered songs by that artist, Mercedes Sosa. Um, episode 32. Um, we discussed Alfantina al Mar" by her. And then she actually sang a song with Shakira called La Masa. Um, I uh, had been recommended this artist by a close friend so uh oh that's awesome yeah so actually this is this is episode 60 but episode whatever i said 32 32, those are the songs we covered in that episode so uh, a little bit of a connection yeah full circle Uh uh-huh
1: yeah the next song is delusional by blackwater holy light they're a female band um you there's not even lyrics on the internet yet for this song this is very small artist or very small group but they convey or they are able to convey this feeling of despair and sadness so well in their sound
0: is it despair or sadness due to can you tell or distinguish if it's due to an internal or external cause
1: I think it's internal. It's an, like an internal battle. When you listen to the song, it gives you the feeling that there's like an internal battle in this person's soul, in this person's being, mm-hmm. um, and that they're struggling with reality. They're struggling uh. with the pain that is reality. Again, going back to existentialism. Mm-hmm. So, so I wanted to recommend that song and, uh, mm-hmm. My final pick is uh Sidno by Molchat Doma. I probably said that way wrong, but it's a because it's in it's in uh Russian. Um this sound is what's considered in the Doomer genre. Doomer music is considered post-punk. Um more like yeah, we know the world is terrible, and maybe we can't change it. So, so what?
0: Mm. Um, okay, that makes sense.
1: It's very dark, very depressing, very industrial. Um, you can think of a city or cement just by listening to it. Um,
0: so, it kind of, it's like post, like Soviet era as well of like exactly. brutalist kind of
1: yes Mm. exactly so it's a time when a society was struggling with its identity and whether um you know it would would keep going so
0: when did the song come out
1: um let's see is it is it
0: recent or
1: it's more recent i think but it's um but yeah it's a wonderful song it Um, seems
0: like a song to i don't know I guess sit I by I, a fire pit and just kind of like stare yeah. into the darkness. I'd also, like if I was by myself, I don't know, sometimes like at night, I know people have it dear times a day, but for me, it's like late at night, like I'll go to lie down to go to sleep and then I'll like wake up right back up like an hour or two later. Like all of a sudden I just have this sense of like panic and anxiety because it's like maybe something I was reading about in the news or just witnessed that day and it was just really stressful and intense and made me feel like that you know lead in my stomach feeling that Gabriel was describing of like just feeling really um upset with the state of the world and things and, and like a fear it's like a yeah it's like a it's creeping fear yeah. this seems like a song that I would listen into because it would be attuned to where I was at and resonates with you resonate and it would be like basically like having let it like Equivalent kind of like someone being there to talk to me about that feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that for myself with this even, song.
1: Even the lyrics translated to English, because they're in Russian. Uh huh. For example, give you the idea of what it's trying to convey. Not cozy at all, hard to live, but cozy mm. to die. Enamel bedpan window besides table and the bed, not cozy at all, hard to live, but cozy to die.
0: hard to live cozy, cozy to die. die i like that yeah solid poetry very expressive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. having to say much yeah how did you find that song or that artist i think
1: so i love music to an extremely high degree uh-huh. but i love it because the the same way other people like art because it it conveys a message and it's very successful at conveying a message. So I'm open to listen to any type of music. If it is good at conveying the message it's trying to send. Mm. And um, I like to listen to things that I'm not exposed to as a Westerner. Um, So for example, Eastern history, Mm. Eastern art, Eastern mythology, just to understand why they see the world differently or why they might see the world differently, at least in my mind um so i'm open to listen to russian music and um i listen to it looking up the genre doomer music
0: okay so you'd heard of that genre and kind of eventually were led to that artist and pretty interesting way of getting into it yeah that makes sense
1: yeah because certain genres are associated with ideas. I, ultimately, everything he was yeah, like is the, just what the what yeah, what
0: what was behind the movement? Yeah, you know, what was going on in that place in the world of that time that really allowed something to become from one person in their studio or home making a piece of art or music to it becoming a collective, a movement, movement. a yeah. movement, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this person
1: grew up in a society where the world could not be ended in one single day. Mm -hmm. one moment Mm -hmm. whereas before humanity never had to worry about that
0: right now Mm -hmm. we can
1: destroy each other so does anything matter if a nuke falls on us tomorrow Mm -hmm. that kind of thinking
0: okay okay um very cool sorry deep in thought deep in thought um i think was it okay my turn sorry switching gears well not totally switching gears actually no I, this is a perfect segue a gabriel way. you could not have done it better i must commend you
1: thank you i'm an added listener great fan yeah
0: <laughs> thank you otter claps otter claps for this transition that gabriel gave me for handing off the baton here so um Stephanie and I, when we were talking before this episode, just kind of where we were at we're musically at this time, Stephanie happened to be listening to uh, the soundtrack for the film Oppenheimer, which um, at the time of this recording is set to be released, I don't know what home theater well, it was, streaming it was already yeah it was already released a few months ago to the theaters theater you know the big screen experience but right. now it's getting ready for the right. home screen experience so by the time this is out it should be available to watch if you need to watch yes. or rewatch watch it but um, so she was listening to the soundtrack for that and um, coincidentally I was listening to the soundtrack for the film Ex Machina which was 2015 or 2016 I believe mm-hmm. and I just when she shared that I was like oh those are quite similar in sound and also really tapping into, I feel like there was this like harsh, deep energy chamber for both of them, but the outside is very kind of cold and robotic and like, yeah, doomsday like with the nature it's of the It's a story. little existentialist. Of like Very you know, existential. Like you said, Gabriel, like what are we put on Earth to do and how can we do it like to the best of our ability or what, yeah, what is... meaning of this and this just gargantuan like cloud of um dread that could be looming over you um of things that are or are not in your control so um yeah with i mean the storylines of the films are slightly different but i feel like the music you could almost switch the soundtracks i feel like and you might not notice um it's interesting to see so i found some parallels between both of them and also, as I mentioned with um, like Mercedes Sosa, like I noticed myself in um, thinking of how we had some of the songs of these soundtracks tied to songs we've shared in the past. So I just think for me, as I was putting together my list and thinking about the end of the year and kind of like this unfurling and curling back in of being introspective and reflective on the year and also just how I am from past years at this time, um, I don't know, just in that kind of state of mind, uh, looking inward and outward. So my first song uh, is from the film Ex Machina. So it's titled The Turing Test. So the it was a duo who did the soundtrack, Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow. So Jeff Barrow, we actually talked about in episode 55 that went over Trip Hop. Jeff Barrow was a founding member of the group Portishead. Um, we talked about Portishead and um, Massive Attack in that episode. So I thought that was neat because that was an episode we we recorded not too long ago this year. So um, the Turing Test um, is kind of a, one of the opening songs of the film. The next, also from Ex Machina, is called Ava after the... Um, Android. Android character. And I liked how... Um, I did a little bit of research and um, that for specifically this track because she is an android um but there's a lot of intention to convince um the character that's played by donald gleason one of stephanie's favorites but also the audience that she has this warmth and humanness to her so apparently the song they thought about kind of like a lullaby basically to, to like a fairy tale quality that was very simplistic and organic and naive sounding um to kind of help you fall in love with her and not realize that she is just totally programmed. I felt that that song Ava reminded me a lot of a song um, by mm. the artist Brian Eno that we actually talked about way back in episode 32. front of the podcast. Brian Eno, you know, <laughs> yes, one of my favorites. Um, but the song Ava sounded very similar to like the little like occasional like chime tones, um, from Brian Brian Eno's song called One Slash One Remastered. It actually was also inspirational a little bit for our song intro and outro song for this podcast of like the airport chimes, because <laughs> his yeah. that that album of his was called literally called "Music for Airports" or something. So uh, very calming with the chimes that we have with the kalimba we use for this episode. So amazing, Ava and the Brian Eno song I felt were kind of paired. Um, but uh, I think the next is when we're kind of branching and connecting between the two movie soundtracks, Ex Machina and Oppenheimer so from Mm -hmm. Ex Machina we have what's called I Am Become Death and um, from Oppenheimer the song title is called Destroyer of the Worlds they both have a to me at least a very similar sound so it's interesting when I was doing the research behind both soundtracks so for Oppenheimer so uh, Nolan the the order that it I'm trying to think of like the perspective of the composers right so Mm -hmm. for Oppenheimer Uh, Nolan first kind of shared the script with the visual effects supervisor Andrew Jackson um, who kind of I know it's I always think of like the U.S. president when I say that name but it is possible (laughs) to also have that name Andrew Jackson (laughs) Um, person named Andrew Jackson (laughs) who is a visual effects artist um, put together uh, on the images kind of the slow motion very uh, very kind of um, I don't know how to describe it those images that show in the movie Oppenheimer if you haven't seen it but to show like fusion and fission and different um it's like little particles just particle interactions and things it's very cinematic so he put those together um so footage of like particles waves chain reactions and things and so then christopher nolan showed that footage to ludwig Ludwig, yeah granson who did the soundtrack for oppenheimer so he showed him these images to come up with the score um so and on top of showing him these images nolan also made Clear, to not really give any specific direction on how he wanted the score to sound, he just kind of told uh, the composer to kind of think about representing Oppenheimer's character and really use a lot of violin. So he wanted to kind of really exemplify the tension uh, of the highly strung intellect and emotion of Oppenheimer with you know the the scale of what he was doing in working on you know in the Manhattan Project and whatnot. So uh, Garenson. You know, really used a lot of violin uh, his wife apparently is a violinist who helps him with a lot of the vibratos a lot of like microtonal things to really try to convey the anxiety like the looming doom anxiety that Oppenheimer was experiencing um, and where it kind of started out as in the beginning at least more romantic and sentimental sounds and as the soundtrack progresses it becomes kind of more like neurotic and horror and paranoia as um oh. To kind of it to so be it was a nice like parallel of what you're seeing on the screen as a viewer. Um, so he did a lot of things like increasing like a thumping bass and metallic like ticking sounds, synthesizers, but also very intentional with mono production, so very minimalist sound of like a single instrument or tone. Um, another thing that stood out to me was both uh, Grantson and Nolan made clear, and they did not use any drums in the score they felt i read that that Mm. it would be too militaristic Mm. um so they instead used like the percussive elements like like there were some stomping noises and Mm -hmm. ticking and things there's like Um, the blare of the synth which is i think in like an evolution of like the inception foghorn um but it's really it's really cool well done um can i share a text that i sent to my cousin about this song (laughs) So I was like nerding out about about, about destroyer the of worlds. song like the music analysis because I'm a music analysis nerd. about about which Please. song yes destroyer of worlds uh-huh. so I was like trying to give her like a a little like oh you gotta listen to this here's why so and this this cousin um studied physics so like that's her major and so mm-hmm. um she had seen the movie loved it and I was like I like that it uh, starts floating on a pensive notion and then drops into an abyss of the overwhelming unknown and I was like. I'm impressed with even how i wrote that um <laughs> <laughs> but it it kind of is and um yeah it's just it, it just kind of resonates and echoes in me is, and yeah it, go ahead go is,
1: isn't it amazing that one consciousness had an idea to convey and mm-hmm. use one of the five senses to convey that to other consciousness yeah and then mm-hmm. we're able to understand the message with no words yeah. Mm-hmm. just
0: sound no words and like if you turn up the volume loud enough like it becomes that percussive like touch that you mentioned and then you can kind of visualize your own and maybe I don't know about smell um <laughs> so what well, yeah, and so I love yeah. that because in similarly again totally different director and movie at next machina Salisbury and Burrow they also did not use any drums in their score. Mm. and also were very minimalistic they also use a lot of orchestra and synth score Mm -hmm. and they also did a lot of the slowed down warped brass noises like the slow Mm -hmm. horns and their Mm. intention behind that was to create a human aspect Mm -hmm. to it like like the the breathing like a pulse Mm -hmm. like okay yeah and um and actually, they actually did a lot of stuff with like an old organ he had found and it had like cool reverb on it. Nice. Um, so I just liked how, yeah, both kind of yeah existential films, but they yeah excluded drums from the soundtrack. Very minimalistic. Started out with the show Tension um, mm-hmm. with the violins or the cello. Excluded drums, but still brought this sense of percussion, like with tapping or stomping. Mm-hmm and with the horns and reverb and stuff so in I general unease, ease was, yeah uh, un- exactly so that was how I kind of connected that was kind of the real fusion between half <laughs> fusion <laughs> uh between <laughs> these two soundtracks uh I see what you did there uh yeah. this is a little tidbit for the future <laughs> um so yes I I am become death from from uh ex machina and destroyer of the worlds from oppenheimer i think stephanie you have even more to yeah add on so so like that. this is a this is like i think i am become death strove worlds is, is like a phrase i think that is it vishnu says one of the hindu gods mm-hmm. i'm sorry yes. if i've got it wrong um I, i'm sorry i forget what the context was but it just become famous and like even oppenheimer's family they didn't like that or sorry i think this movie was banned in india um Oppenheimer because they use this in such a context even though Oppenheimer did say it but um yeah they didn't like the portrayal because you know in like the Hindu culture you know this is all about uh, destroyer but you know like it's about the circle of life rebirth and all that stuff is just the ending of a certain phase um but you know like this this is just a phrase Oppenheimer said so um uh, there is a British producer called Aaron Heibel. Hebel? um, up and coming. I'm convinced. Um, and he created a remix of "Destroyer of Worlds" with different, um, like he had this section of of Oppenheimer's quote, um, mixed in with the soundtrack. And he is an EDM producer. Like, there's no. <laughs> question about it he's edm trance um and he somehow made something that was so unsettling nervous energy um you know just like you know it's on the edge of something and then you got the bass drop um which kind of like helps resolve a little bit of that but you you just my my mind went into like overload just like kind of going to that rhythm and like feeling where he was going and like he's introducing a bunch of different layers to it like there's depth to it there's you know like more of the um I don't know how to call it like the upper higher elements um not tonally but like there's a variety of textures with the music so I appreciated that um Mm -hmm. and I can see it going really well in like an EDM crowd you know in like a concert um and that's such again cognitive dissonance to me because you know this is such intention like originally the intention was supposed to be quite somber and you know like respectful almost and then um you know like when you're kind of raving and jive into like the music um it's it's such like a usually joyous occasion um but also kind of like you're just channeling your energy into something that's just like bass pumping you know like yeah so
1: it's, so it's absurdist in nature that people yeah. are celebrating um such a dark message
0: or what yeah the- and you can make what you want of it you know like when you hear it of course you know like uh so it's it's kind of a really cool way of like channeling that energy so i i, I found it really quite amazing um and we'll link to this later but um I've got a couple other, I've got one other link of his and he does a really cool remix of, um, on Zimmer's time. Um, you know, he has like this concert in Iceland it's in front of, I don't know if this one is in the middle, in front of the like giant church that looks like Asgard. Um, no, this one is within a church. But he's got like an orchestra and it's just him sitting on or standing on a d- in front of a DJ table and hmm. he's got a live orchestra and um, the acoustics of within that church is like just absolutely tremendous, mm. you know um, and he there's a way that he brings in different from Alan Walker's like remix of time, but mm-hmm. it just resonates so well and he's got that like his extra little modern twist of you know his own personality and and extra flavor with like his other music that he's kind of like melded in so it's like a nice solid chunk of time i want to say 12 minutes of just like his running through his songs <laughs> but it's it's good it's good it's solid um i, believe it. I had to like replay that part because it was just to be there in person yeah, to though just... to be there in oh, person would with the acoustics would be yeah yeah
1: yeah so. i i love yeah that's great i i if um I wanted to mention too that like I know of this podcast hardcore history Dan Carlin if you guys want to have um the full context of what Oppenheimer said when he said Oh, yeah, that's a great one I become Death the story of Worlds I know a little bit from listening to the podcast I know a little bit now about the about that particular story and essentially you have, uh, the god of death right in hindu culture taking on the appearance of a helper for this um for this warlord um and this helper is following them the whole time and asking him questions about life and death and uh and why he needs to go to war with this other faction mm-hmm. um the end of that story ends when um he's this this guy is just about to either win or lose uh, this warlord and finally the uh, the assistant says okay it's time for me to reveal my true self and it's the god of death and she says behold i become death's destroyer of worlds she's going to destroy everything and it doesn't matter who that what they were fighting for what the war was about it didn't matter It was all everyone was going to die
0: it's just end game Mm -hmm.
1: and that was so you can draw your own moral from that story but that's how it ends
0: Mm -hmm. with just
1: death that's That's
0: pretty nice um is it michelle yeah oh yeah sorry no 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 no. you had you had i did have two yeah. So, well, you can uh, go ahead. I mean, it was just another connection between the two soundtracks, really, that in between two specific songs. I heard fish, and you want to talk about Bunsen Burner? <laughs> yeah, Bunsen Burner. Um, there was a collaborator on the soundtrack, Cuts Cuts um, for Ex Machina, and I felt like it really again paralleled to. It's like a brooding, repetitive, like do 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 kind so of so more tension kind of, but just yeah. kind of slower, less uh manic. And then yeah, it does a slow build like halfway yeah. through, and I felt it was a very similar sound to fission yeah. from uh, Oppenheimer it's very simmering like it's uh pun intended with the bunsen burner you know it just kind of like foments it grows but it doesn't really go anywhere there's no resolution to like what it's building to but that's kind of like a lot of the movie where it's just they both yeah i think they both of the songs take place like well into like maybe two-thirds where there's kind of the rising action of the plot so it's like definitely telling the audience to be like things Being are not lookout, yeah. things are not going well not as smooth um things are getting a little bit darker so kind of a precursor to the climax yeah um and then i just thought that like all this brooding polyphony and stuff was very like resonant with my like just my normal thought process which i don't know if that speaks volumes to you or not or <laughs> aligns with what you know of me um but I thought of another one that uh I forgot when this movie came out, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but it came out like a while back. The Tim Burton one? The Tim Burton one. Early with Johnny Depp It was early two thousand. Freddie more Maybe, maybe two thousand. I'll look it up. Go ahead. And I'll look it I up love this. I love the movie. Um, and I love the music even more. Um and I feel like so it starts off with a little sparkle, a little tinkle, and then it just dissolves into like insanity. And there's so many different layers of like the instrumentation coming in, weaving in, weaving out. And, you know, it's like in the movie, it's just showing you the process, like the manufacturing process of the chocolate and then how it's packaged. But it's so like... It, the machine is like whimsical and wonderful but they're very precise and they know exactly what they're doing and um it and at the end you know the trucks tinkle off and you know they, they pull out of this like very precise configuration and then they ship all the product with the golden tickets hmm. out to the world and I love that you know like um Willy Wonka's factory it's so closed off from anybody but everyone knows that they produce amazing chocolate and i'm not going to say that's an analogy to me 100 percent. but um i feel like my brain always just kind of like grinds with all these like many many layers of of thoughts and i sometimes i find it hard to articulate like sentences to people because it's just going at so many different levels talking to people um just kind of slows things down and um it, it I think it resonates well with like all the different noise going on in my brain because so you think... because your brain could be playing the Willie the movie came out in two thousand five um, yes wow they're kind of so just... long this kind of has been like of... the soundtrack of my of just my brain forever and I didn't know it until <laughs> the movie came out <laughs> <laughs> you're like someone put a microphone inside your brain but yeah I'm wondering so like are you hearing this song but at the same time like Bunsen burner but like that like repetitive Like, are you hearing both not at the same Bunsen time? burner we're, we're gonna go into the next two that really like I'm just trying to think of what songs are you hearing all at the same time in your head okay oh yeah yeah the next so uh main titles is just very imaginatively named it says what it is um and then the next one that I think you put Michelle what are you gonna do when you're I not put, saving the world I think because it was it reminded me there's some uh piano yeah. elements in both Ex Machina and Oppenheimer yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I felt I forget what song it was it might have been Turing Test or something I can't remember now
1: mm-hmm. or I
0: Am Become Death but it the piano I was like oh my gosh like this could literally blend seamlessly
1: mm-hmm. into
0: uh, the song what are you going to do when you're not saving the world from Man of Steel from Man of Steel by Hans Zimmer and so I just front of the podcast <laughs> front of, of the podcast yeah uh, I know we talked about how I like to try to bridge songs yeah. that sound the same in certain sections um if i had more interest i would actually like create like mashups ups or blends of things but i mm-hmm. just don't this is funner for me uh, <laughs> but identify like that... someone
1: on tiktok do it
0: yes sure yeah so um i did recognize like wow this sounds so similar but instead of kind of staying with that rooting sense of like doom and dread i felt like this song from NF steel took that and which makes sense because the character is superman who's like will prevail and get through it all and still rise up and win or whatever <laughs> how i describe superhero triumph. He, he will overcome triumph, yes. his adversities yes so it elevates upward and yeah. really soars with the full orchestra and string section and makes you feel really empowered and like you got this so Do you know the story behind how they recorded this no so Hans Zimmer I think he I forgot how many he had but he had like all these drums like timpani drums I think Okay. and they all surrounded the microphone I mean this is for like the very special release of Dolby Digital or something of of like the music for like the soundtrack version mm-hmm. I don't know if they did the movie too probably Um. and they had two microphones in the center of the circle and so they had the musicians just like do their drum thing um, but the purpose of the two microphones was to create that binaural sensation of like mm. stuff that's in the left view and the right of you in front of you, kind of a little bit in between. And if you, I think if you have the addition, I have not been so lucky to have this, you can kind of feel the drums, you know, because of, oh. you know, that, that deep element that we talked about in the reverberation in addition to the binaural spatial, um, layout awareness yeah that you've got um you can kind of like feel it pulsing within you as like the melody of like the horns kind of come in and kind of like phase in and out and like yeah it's it really creates for such an atmospheric experience and so I kind of feel like you know on my more positive days like when I know what the purpose in life is like this one is the one that's like making my heart keep beating or my heart's beating because of this I, I don't know which one comes first chicken or egg but that's one that kind of well resonates um and then the last one is also another organized chaos i think is probably the best way of putting it it's like melodically it's a very simple song it's called can you hear the music again ludwig gorensen from oppenheimer and it it's very simple it like goes upwards a little bit and then downwards a little bit and um you could probably a child could probably uh listen to it and probably write the site reading if they've had a little bit of musical education of like how to write music from what they've heard but i think the way that they recorded it they changed the tempo like 21 different times so Mm -hmm. it goes up a little bit yeah yeah i remember yes as as it goes down it it's not like it goes half the time the the tempo distance differs from segment to segment but it always picks up and goes faster. So it goes up um say uh, like say the speed is 10. I don't remember the actual number. And then the speed it comes down on is um now like 20. But the next time when it goes up, the speed is now 45. And then the next time it goes down, it goes to like 60. And so it just kind of keeps going up down up and down and um as you've kind of established this rhythm this cadence this um and the notes don't change it just goes up and down up and down the same pattern um then uh Ludvin like adds extra layers of like new things and it's a rehash it's kind of like Pachelbel's canon <laughs> mm. where you have the same theme mm-hmm. but now you're adding extra instruments to kind of play that and now they're playing on their own rhythm and it's kind of creating that beautiful poetry Um, of like rehashing the same thing but because it's presented in such a layered manner at different tempos and different elements and uh, you get different sensations of how each instrument comes across Mm -hmm. it comes out like a very beautiful mess kind of like Bach where if you listen to it first go I don't get it it's not for me just walk away but then like the more you look into it the more beautiful I find that like deconstruction like the science you know like it's very you can get the big picture from the molecular level and vice versa and I really appreciate that Mm -hmm. so uh yeah that was a beautiful explanation yeah thank you yeah I I think also just for myself I feel like for this playlist the titles of these tracks of these songs have been really powerful and yeah. um, I think that's also why I wanted to make sure we ended the playlist with the song, just the title of, yeah, you can know, you hear the music? Cause... Yeah. Oh, you definitely can. You can feel yeah. the music. But just in, in a philosophical sense, like in general, yeah. just for yeah. your life, like, can you hear the music yeah. through the noise uh-huh. that happens? Um, you might feel overwhelmed with in life, but yeah. Are you able to find the melody Yeah. and um, dance to it? Lisa, yeah. So, wow sometimes
1: um, life goes fast sometimes it goes slow changes if you 20, can find a rhythm, 21,
0: 21 times
1: yeah but if you find the rhythm you can always dance to it
0: mm-hmm. the internet will say 22 times but i know there's one tempo that was used twice so i'm gonna say oh, 21. oh i see okay okay wow um no i think that's a really really lovely list um thank you and tara Bang for hanging out with us this has been a really lovely episode i I hope everyone uh, has a has a good end to the year or beginning to the new year Gabriel thank you for joining us oh uh, yes was great thank you. you guys
1: are amazing oh uh, like so fun
0: yeah totally likewise um come back anytime you want to have another chat about whatever um but yeah so yeah take care let us know on taing if you have any as always, if you have any song suggestions you'd like for us to add to the Spotify list, uh, I will be posting along this episode several of the links that we refer to throughout the episode for your reference to to look at. Make uh, sure that
1: you guys request me so I come back on faster.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, take care. Have a lovely rest of your day or evening or whichever.